When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to Strange Planet. Jonathan Kahn stays with us. He caused, of course, a worldwide stir with the release of his explosive first book, The Harbinger. That book became an instant New York Times bestseller, brought him to national, international prominence. His next books were all New York Times bestsellers as well. The Mystery of the Shemitah, The Book of Mysteries, The Paradigm, The Oracle, uh, The Harbinger 2, The Return, he was uh, named, along with Billy Graham, as one of the top 40 spiritual leaders of the last 40 years to have radically impacted the world. Uh, his brand new book is The Return of the Gods. And um, in part one, uh, while well, we left off, we were talking about the, uh, the Dark Trinity. And uh, we were talking about uh, the, uh, the Possessor, the Destroyer, and then the Enchantress. And uh, the Enchantress is um, Isis, Aphrodite, goes by many different names. Uh, many names, yeah. Okay. So we were, then that led us into a discussion uh, about how mm. uh, she has transformed women. Women now want to become more masculine. They want to be the, the, the big lie of the, the, the radical feminist movement is that women are the same as men. They can re, we can replace men. We don't need men. Uh, men that have been emasculated, uh, they've been encouraged to become, you know, find your inner feminine side. And now we see men, you know, walking around with in, in yeah. their hair up in buns and, yeah. and uh, you know, cross-dressing and, the, and uh, it's completely obliterated the, the lines. Now, of course, yeah. we have the, the radical transgender uh, movement. Um, so... Let's see where we're going to go next. The uh, the, um, the, the, the the goddess she had this mysterious priesthood. What does it have to do with what's taking place now in our culture? This priesthood. Yeah, I have to say something, Richard. You know, I'm listening to the introduction of your of the show, which I love. You know, but everything it says is what we are saying right now today. You know, uncovering the you know the, the machinations behind everything, and that it doesn't look well. That's that's exactly what this is, and it's real. It's real. You know, um, and actually, and the Bible said it. It's interesting. You know, but you but most people never apply it, but it's real. Well, the goddess. Um, and and by the way, and you were saying this this thing. It's interesting how how clear this is because. In the ancient pagan world, the line in many of these cultures, in many of them, the lines between male and female were blurred, you know, and it was the gospel. That, so so is it an accident? You know, like now that we've turned away from God, look what's happening, you know. And it, it's interesting because if we had back then, like when we saw the culture start taking God, 
cut out just little by little, you know, little things. If we had known this, we could just like clockwork could have said all this is going to happen because this is what this is where it came from. This is all coming back. It's the coming back. It's the return of the God. So so the goddess um, had a priesthood. And they were called the Asinu, or or the and also the Kalu. These were names for their her priests, the Gala. They were they would walk around in her temple. They were men who dressed up as women in her temple, and they spoke as women. They acted as women. They were the priests of the goddess. They were the high. They were the high priests of the goddess. And so, if the if the Actually, it says, and you you alluded to it, but it, but actually says in her tablets, in her inscriptions, it says, it says she adorns men, she dresses men as women, she dresses women as men. So what you're going to see now, if the if this if the goddess returns, if the spirit comes back, if the, if the West turns away from God, you're going to see this movement of androgyny. She is the she is the god of androgyny, and she is the god who confuses the two and she's the god who changes one for the other and so if her priests were were basically today we'd call them cross-dressers or transvestites well today what's happening with our culture our culture now this is moving back into the main the mainstream well what well, that's a sign because that was in the that was in the temples of the pagan ancient world it was the gospel that that the, why those things ended so now we turn away from god it's a sign if they're coming back, it's like her priesthood is coming back. And it's it's a sign that the goddess is coming back. Now, for the first time after 2,000 years, it is entering the mainstream again. And so she is she is not only that, but you know, you you alluded to this, and that is that, but the gods are after the children. That is what they are seeking for. Because if you get the children, you have the culture. You get the children, the Children are much more malleable. They're very easy to, to bend, to change. So if that's where you're going to have your change. And that's exactly what has been happening in our culture. The focal point is the children. You know that children, you know, if you take this new generation, Generation Z, and you take it, you know, just take the older part, not the younger is probably is even more so, but 18 to 20 to like 30, 28, Generation Z, um, about, about the numbers that will say I'm not even, I'm not even male or female. Or, or it's about over 20% of them now. I mean, that's mind boggling. And that's only going to go up. But that has to do with this. And so it's confusing the children. It's confusing everything. So, you know, but think about this. You know, you know. I mean, we're bringing children to libraries. You know, by the way, as a Christian, say we, we pray for it. We're all in the same boat, you know, but we have to speak about what it, what's happening. And again, even liberals are saying, they're saying this is craziness, but we're bringing children to libraries to have to be read stories from men dressed up as women. That's, that's craziness. What's even crazier than that, Jonathan, now parents are taking during these uh, pride events, they are taking their children into nightclubs, bars, where there are drag queen strip shows, and they are encouraging the children, you know, to, to stuff a dollar bill into the G-string of yeah. a drag queen, uh, and they're applauding it, and um, now, of course, you know, we have we have young people being placed on puberty blockers and cross- Yeah, which I'm getting That's all part of girls, it. Getting double mastectomies, hysterectomies, uh, then of course they reach the age of thirty and they they regret and have children happen and it's too yeah. late. it's too late yeah you're gonna have a generation yeah, well, lost 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, it's amazing. It's amazing how many, if I could count the times that people, Christian and secular, have described what you just said as demonic. Demonic, you know, and it is, and it is. And, th and this is, you know, you know, it, think about this too. Remember Jesus said that when they come back, they come back worse. Now, you know, they, so now, back then, the goddess, this was confined to her priesthood but now is seeking an entire generation. That's how it's worse. And this goes also into end time prophecy because the Bible speaks about how people will be at the end. Well, we're setting the stage for it. Now, now the love of many will go cold. It won't be without natural affection and all those things. You know, we have to pray for these people. But now the other thing is you, I want to show you what you, you just mentioned something. Um, and that is this, you know, um, the goddess not only dressed, had men dress as women and women dress as men. But remember, she said, it says, I turn a man into a woman. I turn a woman into a man. Now, take that literally. That means physical turning one way or the other. The goddess herself, she was, uh, she, she was, as I said, you know, she was, she says, I am a woman, but then she says, I am a man. So there's a transition. She's the goddess of transition or transitioning. She had an assistant. The assistant, the assistant was called Ninshubar, you know, this, this ancient Middle Eastern thing, who, who went back and forth between male, being male, and female. This goddess not only had her priest dress up as the opposite sex, but she actually had them surgically transitioned. They were surgically transition one of the ancient inscriptions i found um says that she impresses on you know female parts on male parts i mean just craziness um and and so literally not only they were surgically trans transition it affected their hormones it was hormonal as well and so you back then and so and you actually there's actually a description in one of the hymns that talk about those who have been altered by her and they're dancing in front of her men and they're dancing with scalpels almost like it seems like they're celebrating their transition so this is crazy so so now that we're doing this to children and and you know you would say that what would possess an adult to do this to a child i mean don't isn't there common sense that you don't do this that there's something really wrong about this and then hiding it from parents and and scarring them for life changing them for life you know but this is a sign of the deeper stage of possession of a culture this did not happen in the 60s because it couldn't happen then i mean to to the, where it's spreading to the whole culture but this is what happens when they go step the gods go step by step by step by step uh, the Return of the Gods. Yeah. Jonathan Kahn is with us, and the book is just out, and it's available everywhere, and of course online like at There it is. The Return like of the this. Gods. And uh, it reveals this ancient mystery that exploded onto the streets of New York City. It transformed America uh, and world culture, really. What was it? Totally. It, it has... It, ha it has transformed world culture in such a way that it, it almost, when you look at how it's it's spread, it's it, it would seem almost, even to someone who's not a believer, supernatural, crazy. But it all started, like many things, interesting, we, we talked about the bull. And where was that? New York City. You know, um, what led American abortion, particularly New York, <laughs> New York, New York is like a gate, you know, is a gate, you know. And so something happened, this other thing started in New York. And what was it that started in New York? 
Um, the, the whole movement, and again, and, and as, a, as a believer, you know, again, we're all in the same boat. We pray for everybody. We're all in the same boat. A sinner is, you know, we're all, we all have to have our sins forgiven, and we have to pray for everyone on every side of the issue. But we have to reveal this for, their, for everybody's sake. You know, well, this whole movement that of altering gender, altering sexuality, or, or sometimes it's called pride, you know, where did, when did it begin? It began in New York City. Uh, it began in in on in the summer of 1969 and it was it was and, it, and it's well you know it's well linked i mean it's all they, they it's it, what we see today is a celebration of what happened that what happened then it was called the stonewall riots right. and basically in a, in a nutshell it's it, people know the story it's a same-sex bar and they the police came to raid it they rebelled they the police went into the bar to retreat they went after them they tried to break down the, the doors of the bar get in and the, anyway crazy started the stonewall riots and that started everything everything they they every the parades are from there every parade of pride is from there you just mentioned is from there so but the amazing thing that i found was when i looked at the night of stonewall it was amazing because all these ancient signs of the goddesses reappearing appear in stonewall i mean amazingly so and i we could only give a i'll be able to give a taste of some of that we can give a taste of that but it's amazing all right so um does that have anything to do with the mystery of eshdam oh yes it does and and, and yes the 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 Eshtam, it said that Ishtar, the goddess, always dwells in the Eshtam. That's her place. It's like, it's like her temple. What, and that's where she works. What, what is the Eshtam? The Eshtam is, we alluded to it, is a tavern. It's an alehouse. It's a bar. Where did this all begin? It began in an Eshtam, began in a bar. Stonewall was a bar. This whole thing began, and this is the this is the place of the goddess. So in fact, one of the ancient hymns says, Oh harlot or oh prostitute, go down to the Eshtam, go down to the tavern. So on that night, in a sense, the spirit of Ishtar goes down to the Eshtam, the alehouse. Wow. Uh, what about the mystery of the lion's head? The lion's head is that when when the goddess goes to war, and this is in a sense, this is in a sense is a war, it's gonna be a culture war, she rides a lion into it. The lion's head is the sign of her authority. She puts her head, she puts her feet on the head of the lion. The first thing you see would be the lion is the lion's head. Amazing thing because because with Stonewall, just before the Stonewall Inn uh, opened up, and it was it was not long before all this happened. It opened up a year or the year before it. Another bar opens up. It's called the Lion's Head. <laughs> So it, so it was like the preparation, the first sign was the lion's head. And then, and all this happened under the lion's head as well. Let, let me, you know, e, you know anyway, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, is there a further mystery behind the, like the, behind the name that, that yes. find the movement? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, you know, Stonewall, you know, they tried to, again, break into that bar called Stonewall. There is an ancient inscription, actually, it's in the Epic of Gilgamesh, and a famous thing, where it talks about the goddess, and it says, you are the one who, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you, you're the one who breaks the Stonewall, breaks the Stonewall. Yeah. Literally, it is Stonewall. You know, she's the one, and they tried to break the Stonewall. And literally, and you take it spiritually, what that what was happening is they were breaking the wall of Western civilization that had lasted for two thousand years uh, regarding surrounding sexuality. So yeah, so even the name she is linked to that. She she goes into a rage because she's accused of being the one who breaks the stone wall. 
you in the return of the gods you write about there being um an avatar that night tell us what do you mean yeah you know an avatar is a is in a sense an embodiment of a god you know and and you know and so i'm saying it in this way is that remember the goddess had masculine attributes she's a fighter she's the god of war um on that night of stonewall there was one person who triggered the whole thing what happened was the police were arresting this one woman and the woman tells the crowd why aren't you doing something at that moment they all it, it, like everything changes it's, it's like it's almost like a spirit possesses them a frenzy happens that, that becomes dangerous for the police they go but the whole thing started when this woman triggered it now now who was that woman well the woman is described as a woman who had masculine attributes she had, she's like she's she's resembling the goddess she actually was a fighter she was actually uh, she she was actually I won't go into the whole thing but she's actually was was worked at fighting but also the thing is that the goddess was called um, was given the name Storm. The goddess was said, you are the loud thundering storm. You're the one who caused the storm. You are the storm. The woman's name was Storme or Storm. And she started the entire movement. Wow. Wow. Uh, what is the dance of the goddess? When the goddess would war and bring destruction, it, it speaks about, it says that there would be she, a dance. It was a it was the dance of the goddess. She would dance, and there would be destruction. In the middle of the riot, those who were involved in the riot, or or a segment of them, they, all of a sudden they start breaking out into a, a dance. And as they 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 break into the dance, and they're dancing and they're chanting words that go back that link up to the goddess without knowing what they're doing and without knowing. You know, the goddess also had female priests. And they were called, they were, they could be prostitutes. And they were called, one particular one was called the Kesaru. And the Kesaru were were priests of goddess who danced and sang. Now, now, now the, the men there are are dancing and they say, we are the Stonewall girls. We are the, they're dancing as girls. But the Kesaru are called Kesaru because Kesaru means means the ones who wear their hair in curls. They wear their hair in curls. They start singing, we are the Stonewall girls, we wear our hair in curls, the Kezaru. They have no idea what they're doing, but it all goes back to the goddess. <laughs> all right, we'll take another quick time out. Jonathan Kahn, his brand new one, The Return of the Gods. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we're back with Jonathan Kahn, New York Times bestseller. And the, the latest is The Return of the Gods. It's available everywhere. And it's just out the last couple of days. And uh, you can also find it at Amazon.com. Um Let's see. What is the uh, the mystery of the moon, the sun, and the spell, Jonathan? 
Yeah, the the goddess was the was was linked to the moon first of all, uh, because she's she's actually in, in mythology she's called the daughter of the moon, and she's particularly linked to the full moon, which she, it says she's the goddess of the fifteenth day. You know, in the in the ancient Middle Eastern calendar, just like the biblical calendar, the months are lunar, and in the middle of the month is the full moon. So the fifteenth, fourteenth, or fifteenth day. Is the full moon? So she's the goddess of the full moon. Um, the what happened at Stonewall happens on the weekend of the full moon. Number one, <laughs> the weekend of the full moon. But also she's linked to the to the. I won't go into the all the details. She's linked to the summer solstice. The summer solstice is, of course, when the the sun begins to start its descent. Start the days start getting shorter. This is always a very big time in the pagan year and pagan pagan culture this was a frenzy of stuff going on under the summer solstice you know well well the 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 stonewall as we know happened just after the summer solstice number one it's around the time of the late june summer solstice happens summer solstice happens um under the moon and happens during the month of tammuz now the month that's that's in the the, the middle eastern calendar Tammuz, okay, it happens during the month of Tammuz. Who's Tammuz? Tammuz is the lover of Ishtar. So here it's happening. And so that whole month, by the way, that whole month was basically given to Ishtar. It's when people channeled the spirit of Ishtar during that month. And that is when it happened. And particularly, they speak about the end of well, the, the, the end of June is the time of the when the, when all this converges. That's when Stonewall converges. Converge. But there's even more than that. The, you know, all these pagan things converge. There's more than that. And that is that the day that Stonewall was sealed, there's a day that the the, the it was at the date was sealed, um, was the date which on the ancient calendar of Ishtar, the Babylonian calendar, listen to what it says. It says that day is appointed to cast a spell to cause a man to love a man. And that is the day that Stonewall was sealed. The day to cause the sex, the sexuality to alter. I mean, they, and I, I want to say nobody could come up with this and nobody was trying to. They had no idea. I mean, you didn't plan this. I mean, you know, it just happened. It was a, it was a riot. It happened. Right. But nevertheless, if we're talking about gods and spirits, you know, that is what is behind the, what's changed the world. So what do the gods then have to do with the parades of the modern world? Well, you know, every you mentioned it and, and meaning parents bringing their children. Um, this is take this has taken over Western culture. It's kind of strange. You know, and it doesn't matter what's what what's one one feels or where what's at. It's kind of strange that you know you have you have parades happening all over the world in different nations. You know, and nations are celebrating this. First of all, I, I've never heard doesn't I never heard of any nation celebrating sexuality of any kind. I've just never heard of it. Secondly, that nations are are giving more time to celebrate this than their own holidays. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, one day for July 4th, a month, and it's different nations who, who may not even be friendly with each other. They're all doing this. This is so strange. And they're celebrating something that only like yesterday they were saying, well, this is not, this is not morality. And now there's, it's just crazy. There's something going on here. Well, here's the thing, Richard, this is part of the mystery too, because the goddess was the goddess of parades. And parades came from her. She had parades. She 
started parades in the ancient in the ancient world. And the thing is, not only that, but the parades of Babylon, they would always start at the Ishtar Gate, the Gate of Ishtar, the Gate of the Goddess. That's when they would start going forth. Uh, interesting because the Ishtar Gate is is a gate which is unique, is covered. Actually, when I was in Canada, they took me to the museum and they had these lions that are like the lions on the Ishtar Gate there, you know, in the, in the Canadian Museum. But the thing is that it's covered with bricks. It's a brick-covered gate and even glistening, you know, uh, glazed bricks. And it has two arches. One is big and one is small. The parades of the modern world all, all date themselves back to Stonewall. Stonewall is... The facade of Stonewall is a as a brick covered facade with two arches, one arch large, the other arch, the other arch small. What were the parades of the goddess back then? The parades of the goddess were the parades that we have the inscriptions were parades of men dressing as women and women dressing as men. And the ancient ancient chroniclers say even there was lewdness going on, you know, which, you know, which, you know, you wouldn't want to bring your children to it. Well, the, well, all these things are not, if the goddess is coming back, these are coming back. You shouldn't be surprised, even though it seems like it's a strange new thing. It's not a strange new thing. This is the ancient thing that has come back. In fact, you know why they ended? Actually, it says Constantine. When Christianity came, that's when they stopped, they start, they stopped the kind of lewdness of certain these these, these pagan parades but it's amazing i mean it's like everything is like falling into place right well as it says in the bible there is nothing new under the sun yeah and it's also interesting now that it has become almost a litmus test for a politician one of the first questions he gets asked by a reporter if he's considering or she's considering running for office will you march in the parade will you yeah. march in the parade yeah 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 well 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 the thing is that that when in the ancient times, when you had this these parades going on, it, it was the spirit of Ishtar. It was like possessing the culture. It wasn't just you had her, you had your pre her priests were part of it, her priestesses were part of it, but it drew the whole culture into it. And that's exactly what's happened with with this whole the pride parades. And you know, it's not only that, and we again we have to pray for everybody involved. But the thing is that she's called the goddess of pride. She, she she's the pride goddess. And and again, nobody's trying to do this. It's just happening. All right. One more time up back with more of my conversation with Jonathan Kahn, the author of the soon to be New York Times bestseller. I, I have a, I have a hunch. <laughs> the return of the gods. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. All right, Jonathan Kahn, The Return of the Gods. Uh, incidentally, um, does it, does it, um, is it beneficial to read The Harbinger, uh, you know, The Oracle, any of these books before you read this book to get kind of a, a, a greater perspective? Yes, yes, it was not that you have to read it before you read it. You can just start off reading this on its own. However, yes, absolutely, you could just start reading this. But you're you're right in that they they all they all dovetail each other, particularly the Harbinger, the Harbinger Two, the Paradigm, because what the Harbinger is showing is how all 
the signs of judgment in Israel's last day are manifesting. The specific signs are manifesting in in America and um and very specific. I mean, it's not you know, and so that that's what was happening. But what was happening? It's not what was happening in the cult. These are the the harbinger harbinger and the harbinger too are talking about all the signs that are appearing, the ancient signs. But this is talking about what was going on, what what was going on in the culture during when those signs were appearing and when they were heading away from God. That's what this is. This is kind of like all the rest inside the signs. This is what they were doing. They were worshiping the gods when judgment came. So they, you're right. They're all puzzled. They all go together. You don't, you don't need to read that first. You can read this, but you can read it at any time. But yes, they all, they all are part of the mystery. You know, they're part of the mystery that we're dealing with right now. Yes. Uh, what is the mystery of the purple garland and the double-edged axe? Yes. Well, you know, one of the, of course, one of the things that we know of as, you know, we talk about altered sexuality um, is that regard, you know, I haven't really talked about women, but women were also part of the goddesses cult as well back then. Um, and, you know, the, the, where, where those, those who are part of this um, or women, you know, same sex women sexuality um, trace themselves to, to an island of called, as we called Lesbos, which is the Greek island from which you get the name uh, of lesbianism. Well, the interesting, the one who was, who was, who they go back to is Sapphos. Sapphos was a, was a woman who wrote poetry, but she wrote poetry that seemed to be that she had romantic feelings for women. We don't fully know the full thing, but what they don't, what is not really said is that could there be any link to the mystery we're talking about, the god, the return of the gods? Well, well, Sapphos worshipped the goddess. She worshipped the god. She was a strong worshipper of this goddess, who in, in the Greek glance was called Aphrodite, but it's the same goddess. And so, in fact, the only, as far as I know, the only complete work we have of her surviving is a hymn to this goddess asking to cast a spell on a woman. Um, and so the thing is that, or in some way it becomes that. Well, the thing is that also, you know, one of the, the they adopted a color which I don't, you know, which people know about something, but they adopted a color to represent women, women having relations with women. And it's the color lavender or the color purple, you know, uh, purple or lavender. Where does that come from? It comes from this woman, this ancient Greek woman, this ancient island who worshipped the goddess, and the goddess herself was called the purple-crowned goddess. So even that goes back to her, and you know, and even her worshippers. Apparently, it seems like they were wearing these purple garlands. So even that goes back to her. But also, there's something else. The first sign of the movement of to normalize same-sex sexuality with women was. The a flag that was actually the symbol was and still is in many ways is a is a double edged axe. That's what they that's what the first sign was. It's called it's called the labrys. It's a double edged axe. Well, so when they marched in the parades, they had they they wore they had banners with a double edged axe. You know, where does that come from? Well, people trace it to you mentioned at one point you mentioned Amazon. You said well you know because there's a pagan thing Amazonian you know women that they were to be warriors and all that and yeah um but that goes back to this goddess too but but the thing is that it really goes back to something else that i found i found that in in the descriptions of the goddesses parades it says the women parade before you goddess and they are carrying the double-edged axe so even that so in ancient times the women of the goddess carried marching parades carrying the double-edged axe today 
women who are of these movements ca have carried banners with a double-edged axe. And again, they're not reading these ancient inscriptions and they're not saying, okay, let's do this. It's something very supernatural. Uh, tell us about the mystery of Junium. Okay, the goddess claimed, as I was kind of alluding to, claimed there was one month, wasn't just a day, it was an entire, interesting, entire month of the year, which she claimed, which when her, when she in a sense possessed a culture, where, where her spirit, and let me explain that, because even the Bible actually mentions something that, that goes back to that. Remember when, well, Ezekiel says, says he, he's looked in the temple of Jerusalem and he saw people worshiping the gods. And that, that's actually going to bring judgment. And he sees the women, it says, weeping for Tammuz. Weeping, what is that about? Well, according to the mythology, Ishtar is in one of her lovers, her key lovers, she's many, many, she's not faithful, but is this, this guy named Tammuz. And she ends up having him killed. This is Ishtar. She gets mad at him, has him killed. And so, actually, by the way, all, all her love, pretty much all her lovers, nobody ends up well, you know. And that's what Gilgamesh, you know, in the episode of Gilgamesh is saying, no, I don't want anything to do with you, um, because this is what happens. So, so he ends up being taken to the underworld. And then she regrets it, and she starts weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping for Tammuz. She's separated from her lover, Tammuz. So it happened, it was one month, and during that month, the whole culture would get, in a sense, possessed by the passion of, of the goddess, Ishtar. And the women would be weeping for Tammuz, you know, all over. It's like the spirit of Ishtar took over the whole culture. And they, But they still would have processions and lewd sexuality and all this stuff. It's the goddess. That was her month. When was it? It's the month of Tammuz. But when is the month of Tammuz? Tammuz comes in the summer, and Tammuz... Uh, Tammuz comes, I believe, 70% of the time it begins in the month called June. June. Now, now, let me go further. I looked in ancient, in, well, I, was saying, I looked at, at 19th century, 18th century Bible commentaries, and they're talking about the weeping of Tammuz, the month of, of Ishtar and Tammuz, and they identify it. This is long, they're not living in the 20th century. They identify it as the month of June. Now, I went back to, in the, in the Return of the Gods, I go back to St. Jerome. Now, in early days, St. Jerome, who translated the Bible, it's a Latin. He's writing a commentary on Ezekiel about the weeping for Tammuz. And he says, he basically, these celebrations, this festival is still happening. The precise, still happening today. And he says, it says when? Latin, he says, in the month of Junium. Junium. So June was the month of the goddess. That's one form of it. It's Thomas, but June. So what does this mean? It means, and you know, and, and June is the corresponding to Thomas in the age. So what it means that if the goddess comes back, if she's possessing the culture, she will start possessing June. June will become her month. June will become a month that is dedicated to the goddess of pride. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what has happened. And the, the interesting thing, I'm going to, Interesting thing here, Richard. I, I don't. I, it's probably the first time I'm ever getting into this with any, any interview because I get deeper with you because we go, you know, because we go deeper. And that is that that in this month of June, you know, back then it was the month when she separated from her passion. Like you know, she wants to. She she's separating from Tammuz, so so she wants to be fulfilled. Well, actually, 
Stonewall happened in the month of Tammuz, and it was about, hey, we have a passion, and it's not being fulfilled, and we want it, you know, part of the original parades were about that, were protest, you know, but now it's, but interesting, because it's also become a celebration, it's become a party, which it also, which also happened in, in, in the days, ancient times, but so interesting, think about it, it's the month of when male and female, the, the two principalities were separated, male, well, you know, this is Ishtar and Tammuz, are separated, but it's celebrated. So it's in a sense the celebration of man separated from women and women separated from men. And that's what you have today. That's what we have. And it has spread everywhere in our culture. It's it's kind of it's just kind of crazy. We have never experienced anything like this. Is there anything you could think of where there's been a month of celebration in all nations, in all these Western nations? Nothing like it. Right, right. And we have the pride flag being flown uh at embassies now around the world, yes. right next to the American flag or whatever. That's right. Uh, whatever flag. There, um, there is nothing like that. I mean, can you? Is there any movement that? Is there any sexuality that has ever been been flown at the American embassy? There's something not. There's something supernatural going on. So, what is the sign of the goddess? Well, it's amazing. Um, Richard, because it's like you're you're in the spirit because you you're prophetic. You keep you 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 speak about things before, and then we're about to speak about it, and then I go. But it's 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 absolutely great, you know. Um, and that is that there was a sign of the goddess, and you know what the sign of the goddess was? The sign of the or or at least a sign that was basically totally joined to. She's the as, as far as I know, she's the first god or goddess that is joined to this sign um, outside of the Bible. Obviously, it was the rainbow, the rainbow, the rainbow sign. So the rainbow sign is this what we just talked about. The rainbow sign is the sign is the sign in the epic of Gilgamesh. It is intimated that she's creating the rainbow. Okay, now remember something. Now the rainbow is God. The rainbow comes from God. The rainbow speaks about it, the mercy of God. Right. So it's kind of like and 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 so this the thing is, but in the mythology of the goddess, she's a goddess. It says that she steals things from other gods and takes them as herself. So now she's taking the very sign of God. And making herself, and so it's turning the sign of God against God, which is a dangerous thing because because the sign of the rainbow is the sign of God's mercy in the face of judgment. So to take that and turn it against His ways to me is a very dangerous thing. But but not only that, it goes back to this goddess. It says, in, in fact, I won't go into it, but in the book I go through every color of that flag. The original flag and actually by by the one who did it they they gave they said what it meant and when you go by the meaning it kind of doesn't go together but there's it, it all matches one thing it matches the goddess every color of that of that rainbow flag but also it says in an ancient inscription it says you are the goddess you you have the rainbow eyes your eyes are rainbows when she looks at you it's rainbows um, and then there is an inscription that says that says and I'm, I'm I'm doing the ancient. I don't know if this is Sumerian or Babylonian. It, it says Manzat Ishtar. Manzat Ishtar. Translation: Rainbow Ishtar, Rainbow Goddess. And 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 I'm going to tell. And one more. There's a myth of the goddess where she is she is violated, and she gets up and she's in a rage, and she wants vengeance. And so in order to get vengeance, she says it says so Ishtar herself over the sky as the rainbow she became as a rainbow she she converts into like a rainbow as a rainbow 
And she does so in order to execute judgment. It wasn't a sign of nice things and freedom and all that. It was a sign of the working of the goddess and a sign of the, the agenda of the goddess and the mission of the goddess and the warfare of the goddess. If people knew the full meaning of what this the rainbow is, they I don't think they would do it because it's ultimately a sign of being of having of being possessed by the goddess. And the fact that now you have that sign spread, you, you said American embassies. If you go to the supermarket during June, you can find children's cereal boxes with rainbows on them. Who would have ever thought? I mean, it's kind of craziness. You have all sorts of, of Fortune 500 corporations changing their logos into rainbow logos. But this is, you know, it's tra they're transitioning themselves. You know, remember, this is a goddess of transition. She changes the nature of people and of other things. So it's crazy, but it's all part of the mystery. So we've been talking a lot about how the gods and goddesses are changing the culture, affecting human behavior. What about determining the timing and the outcomes of certain uh, political events or even the rulings of the Supreme Court? Yes. They, the amazing thing that I that I I put in the book because when I, I just was blown away when I saw it, the amazing thing is that that even the Supreme, the decision of the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court's going to affect the culture. You know, it's going to affect change. It's going to affect transition. So, so when they do something, so there have been three major rulings concerning altered sexuality um, by the Supreme Court since this time. One was two thousand three, um, and you know that was the kind of normalization of this. Uh, two thousand thirteen is the striking down of the Defense of Marriage Act. And 2015 is the big one, is the one that changed marriage. Um, after thousands of years, marriage was changed, 2015. Okay. Now, I, we've, been, we've been seeing that the time of the goddess is, is June, and particularly the end of June. This is around the time of the summer solstice. That's when all these things reach their peak, summer solstice time, end of June. And so, so the end of June is that time. So the first decision by the Supreme Court— it was handed down in June, end of end of June, ta days of the goddess. The second one in 2013 was was handed down in June, end of June, month of Tammuz, the days of the goddess. The third one, the striking down of the changing of marriage, transitioning of marriage, happened in 2015 in June, the end of June, by the summer solstice and the Tammuz and the Days of the Goddess. The first one happened on June 26th. The second one happened on June 26th. The third one happened on June 26th. June 26th is the date that Stonewall was sealed. Now, nobody in the Supreme Court is trying to do this. It's just happening. And the other thing, Richard, is you remember the night when marriage was changed and all over America, and the sign of the rainbow comes at night. The White House becomes taken by the sign of the rainbow, sign of the goddess, her possession. A I'm possessing a nation. Well, that day or that night was that night was the tenth of Tammuz, the tenth, the day that marriage was altered, that a man could marry a man, was the date on the Babylonian calendar that is appointed to cast the spell to cause a man to love a man. Remarkable, <laughs> remarkable, the timing.
is absolutely uh, yeah. astounding. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, let's talk about uh, something else. What is the, gr the grand transition? Yeah, well, remember that this is the goddess who transforms, you know, and, and you know, in the first part of the book, when I talk about the, the Dark Trinity, I, get, I, I have to call her in the second part another name, which is the Transformer. She, she's the one who tra transitions. We saw this, transitions one to another, one sex to another sex, et cetera, et cetera. But in, in, when you look back at this, when you take it to its largest thing, she's not just transitioning people. She's transitioning a culture and she's transitioning an entire nation and an entire civilization. In a sense, you could look at it, you know, when 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 a man, I'm, I'm, now I'm talking about the goddess right now. You could people can apply it to modern times. But when when if she's transitioning a man to a woman or a woman to a man, which it says she does, then then what he what a man what what that person liked, they're attracted to, they're not attracted to, and what they weren't attracted to, they're attracted to. Everything gets reversed, their values get reversed, their value, their everything gets reversed. Well, She's ultimately transitioning America, Canada, the nations, Western civilization, the world. And so what so so that so when you look at a transition of a man to a woman today, in a sense, it's a microcosm that she's actually transitioning a Christian civilization or a Judeo-Christian civilization into its opposite, which is a pagan civilization. So now what it once said, what what it once liked, it doesn't like. What it once didn't like, it likes. What it once said was was good, it says now it's evil. What it once says was bad, now it says it's good. It's all craziness, and and it's crazy to see how it. It's like what is doing? It's like a spell. What has happened here? You know, you know, uh, Richard. You know, when Western civilization was was quote Christianized, you know, it was it, the the key sign was Constantine. You know, the, the Emperor Constantine. Now I don't know where Constantine was at. I have no idea, but he was used. You know. But the famous thing was when he was about to head to battle, says he saw a vision, and he saw a sign above the above the sun. He saw the cross, and it said, "In this sign, conquer." You know, well, the cross then, you know, that represented what happened. But today, what we're seeing is we're seeing another sign. We're seeing the rainbow replace the cross. In fact, in government built in times past. You would see signs of the cross or signs of Christianity in government buildings. Now that's being removed and replaced with a rainbow. It is now in this sign. It's the sign of the goddess she's conquering. And so we're watching the opposite transition. The ultimate transition is from, is from the faith to paganism. And we're seeing it in such graphic, like I'd say amazing, I mean, a stunning, stunningly exact ways but it's also a scary thing too. So people listening to this, and there are many people quite happy with you know the secularize, secularization of uh, of what's happening in the world, and and the, the, um, what do you say to them about the danger that these gods pose? Now, they, they are dangerous because they these are spirits. They are dangerous. They always would lead. Now, if you think about it. Like think about Moloch. Think about those. They always lead to um, to destruction. They they led to the destruction of Israel. They destroyed a culture. They they divided the culture. They destroyed it. But they also destroy lives. They cause people to offer up their children. That's danger. They cause people to become self destructive. They they they. One of the things is they they take away people from their purpose. That's a way of destroying. When you take away 
a person, uh, like a, a, a father from being a father, a mother from being a mother, a man from being a man, a child from being a child. You take away a human from being human. You, that's what's ultimately happening. You are, you are, they are taking away purpose. When you take away purpose, it leads to destruction. And so they are dangerous. They're, it's always, you know, these things always led to self-destructiveness. You know, right now in America, we have an epidemic of suicide among the young. Suicide. We have an epidemic of drug overdoses. We have we have self-destructive. So these are dangerous things, whether you know it or not. People who get involved, the more you get involved with it, the more destructive it becomes. But now there's another side to this because, because remember, they were cast out of Western civil. They were cast out of Rome Western, by what? By the word of God. So therefore, they have a vendetta. They're back with a vengeance. That's why you're watching a movement, a progressive movement, to rid culture of the word of God, to take the word of God out, to take, they were removed by prayer, with people praying to God. So you had the movement take prayer out. You know, if you take prayer out, take it, take prayer away from the kids, we'll have the nation. Well, that's what happened. Uh, they were removed by Christians, in a sense, from, from, the, from Rome, you know. So they have a vendetta against Christians. They're targeting Christians. That's why there's a spirit in the culture. The spirit of the culture is against Christians in many ways. It's against people of faith. It's against conservatives because, I'm not saying conservatives are always right, but conservatives are seeking to conserve. And the gods are speaking are seeking to overturn. You know, so back then, you know, what you had is the gods and the pagan, you know, worshipers were marginalized, you know, because they couldn't, they had to kind of go into the into the corners. And you know, well, now that's that's what the gods are doing to Christians, people of faith, people of the Bible, people. So we're so it is actually it is resuming a war. And and so that's why we're in, in a sense, we're you know. In the, in the return of the gods, I speak about it. You know, I speak about what happened back then at the beginning, and this I call this round two. This is round two of what happened then. So, what's what is the ultimate goal then? What is the the end game? The end game is that is that they seek to cause every need to bow. When Baal, you know, you, when Baal first came into the culture, when the gods first come into the culture, it's it's they come in the name of tolerance. Hey, be open. It's okay. Be open. Everybody do your own thing. Live and let live. Try this out. It's okay. You don't have to go by the old thing. It's liberation. I'm going to free you up. But that's just to get in the door because you can't. That's how you get into a door. You know. But once you're once they're in and once they're entrenched or once they're in power or once they are established. Then they will start closing the door. And then they will start saying, now every knee is going to bow to us. Every knee is going to confess wokeness. Every knee is going to is going to celebrate when we what we celebrate, you're going to celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate it, we're going to punish you. And notice what's happening to the culture now. You know, it's it's when, when the gods first came in, it was all tolerance. It's not that anymore. It's intolerance now. And, you know, you have so much so that people even call it a, a, a form of totalit a growing totalitarianism. It's not, I would say it's not so much, the, it's not just that it's the government. It is the government. You're, you're seeing that in Canada. We're seeing that in America. But it's the whole culture. It's the corporate world. It's it's the yeah, educational cancel, world. Cancel it's culture. Yeah. 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 Uh, if, yeah, because, because 
the, the gods will seek to cancel out anyone who goes against them, like they tried to do with the Christians then. Well, that's it now. The, you know, again, these gods are not tolerant. You know, it's everyone worship. When when I looked at the at the mythologies of like of like Baal, it says Baal. Baal says, I will become king of the gods. It's basically every knee will bow. Ishtar says, anyone who doesn't bow to me, I'm going to, I'm going to have vengeance on them. You know, this is the spirit of it. So when you know, interesting too, because I'll share there's a there's a there's a template in the Bible. In Isaiah, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Now notice something. It, it's it's saying they go together, and it, those who call evil good are going to call good evil, but also the first mention is evil good. Then it's good evil. So what happened in America and Canada and in the world is first it was calling what is they call what they called sin. Now we're saying it's okay, it's all right, you could do it. Every it's everybody could do it. It's okay. That was all about do your own thing. But once it goes, to, now it's at the next stage. Now it's calling good evil, and so now it's saying no. Now if you say no, you're a bigot. You're a hate. You're hateful. You're you're you should be cast out. You should be boycotted. You should lose your job. We'll cancel you. Well, that's exactly what the mystery says. And that's what we're dealing with right now. That's one of the reasons I knew it was very important to write the book. So, I mean, is it is it is it too late? Or, or is there one more warning that we're going to get? Uh, you know, where where are we headed? Well, well, where where it's going is that, you know, first of all, if it is not stopped, um, if it is not stopped, then it's going to be growing. It's going to be going into a totalitarian form. You know, interesting thing. I was just reading in the New York Times. You know, um, I was reading about. Actually, no, it was. I'm sorry. I was reading. I was reading something else where it said that when you look at the younger generation and you look at what they feel about democracy, they they are not so they are not so into democracy. They're okay with authoritarianism. Okay with it now. That now it's, it's interesting because all this goes with the Bible. You know, the Bible says in the last days all these things are going to happen, and it talks about an authoritarian government. It talks about a one-world government. You know, pe most people, whether they're Christian or not, they've heard of the word Antichrist. Well, that's about where it's going. That's kind of a revival of Rome. It's interesting, and and so if those things are coming back, th these are the precursors. So you can see, you can see, um, Richard, if you look at end-time prophecy, this is like preparing the way in every way, you know, in, in the family, sexuality, you know, raising a generation that is by nature alien to God, you know, so, so that's where it's going, except for revival, number one, without revival, you know, the revival is the only thing, because, because what is more powerful is the spirit of God. And I want to talk about hope because the end of all this and the end of the book is about hope, you know, and the, and the last part of the, the last chapter of the book is called the other God, you know, because that's what it's about. Now, now, when you think about it, in one sense, uh, let, let me let me tell you this. I don't say this in all interviews, but let me say this. You know, if you think of what is the you know the gods all had altars. Now, what was the what is the what is the most blatant brazen altar we have today? It's abortion. We're actually we're actually you know we're actually doing it. Well, interesting because. Because the day that I finished the return of the God, I didn't plan it. The day I, I, fin I finished it uh, was June 24th. That day was the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned. The altar of a God, the altar of a God. And I know, you know, the thing is that I won't, I, I also don't go into this in most programs. So I'm just going to throw this out because it's called Strange Planet. So I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, you know, I'm also, I'm in ministry, obviously, Beth Israel and, and Wayne and Jersey. And we have uh, one of my associates didn't know I was working on this book, had no idea about what this book was about. And he just, he woke up and then I, he had this thing on his, he had this, this just, 
massive kind of, I don't know if you say vision of the spirit. And he said, Jonathan, I saw you bring forth a word and there were all these altars of the gods. And as you brought the word forth, the altars broke and these spirits came out of them. You know, now interesting because the day that I finished, this altar began to break. You know, so what I'm saying, I don't believe God would have me write the book if there wasn't hope. So, but the thing is that that when the last part when I talk about it, you know, there's an ancient Hebrew Hebrew uh, song. It was written by Moses, and in the original it says, "Micha mocha be'alim Adonai." Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? There is no one like you. The point is, God is much more powerful than any of these forces. The problem, the problem is, we're not we're not rising in that. You know, most believers are just being passive as they let all these things happen and take over. They don't know what to do, and they don't know what they're dealing with. If you don't know what you're dealing with, it's going to be hard to fight, and it's going to be hard to win. So I wrote the Return of the Gods not only to reveal this. I mean, you know, I, I, you know I'm the first one to be blown away. It's a mind-blowing thing. But the point is, I want to strengthen believers and, and arm believers to be strong in this hour, because if we're not strong, there's no hope. If we're not the light, it's only darkness. And this is I wrote the Return of the Gods not only for believers, but also also, there are people to get saved because every believer has people in their lives who are totally gone in this. And so this is a way to like, whoa, wake up. This is the real, this is the real waking. And that is that that you don't want to be part of this. This is destructiveness. This is destruction. So the thing is that that you know, many believers are praying, I wish I lived in biblical times. I'm here to say you are living in biblical times. This is th the same day, you know, and, and listen, if, if, you know, years ago it wasn't so biblical. Now it's really biblical because, you know, when you look at Moses, he dealt with the gods of Egypt. Look at Elijah, he dealt with Baal, the gods of the Phoenicians. Uh, the, the, the Jeremiah dealt with Moses. Uh, the Maccabees dealt with the gods of the Greeks. Paul and the first Christians dealt with the gods of Rome. They were always dealing with that. So we're going back, you know, one of the of the ages that everything goes back to the beginning so the age is closing with this thing. so so listen we are here to deal with it and if you're a child of god you are stronger you're to rise up you know in in love and faith and boldness knowing that you still are on the winning side and that there is no there is no one like our god there's no one like jesus there's no one there's no name like jesus there's no god like our god um and there and the light is stronger than the darkness but you cannot Give in to it. Do not bow your knee to Baal. Do not bow your knee to political correctness. Do not bow your knee to what you know is wrong. You have the right, you know, and God will anoint you. Don't be afraid. If we're afraid, we're, we're giving in. Don't be intimidated. You need to stand against the gods of this age. Um, and, you know, with this, a, a one word is, if you, I'm saying to everybody listening, if you have something in your life that is linked to this, it could be pornography, it could be a million things, Get it out of your life because it's against your life. It, it is trying to destroy you. Get it out of your life, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a non-believer. Get it out of your life, and that's when you can be used of God. The Spirit of God is stronger than the spirits of the world, and you can actually be a light. So let us be a light to the world. That's why I wrote the book. So that's the, for such a time as this. The Return of the Gods, again, available yes. everywhere. There it what is. It looks like. Big, beautiful book. Uh, Amazon.com. And also, we should point yeah. out, they can also visit uh, the website booksbyjonathancon.com. Booksbyjonathancon.com. Uh, and on the podcast, that'll be in the episode notes. People can uh, just click on there. And again, you can order the book. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Christianbook.com. You can That's find right. it at Target, Walmart, Apple yeah. Books, wherever books are sold. Uh, how do people get in touch uh, with I'm you? Afraid. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm hoping that, and I said this a few times, but I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that people not only get it for themselves, but think about people in your lives because that that's what it's about. How do people get in touch with your ministry, Hope of the World? Um, Hope of the World is the ministry I lead that that gets the gospel out and, and all my teachings are there and prophetic updates. Um, and if they if they go to the site, um, the, hopeoftheworld.org, um, they will get free gifts. They will get CDs. They will get prophetic updates, um, and they'll be very blessed. Just go to hopeoftheworld.org. It's easy to remember, hopeoftheworld.org. All right, and again, booksbyjonathancon.com. Jonathan, always a great honor to speak with you. Thank you so oh, much. And listen, it's always an honor to speak to you, but now it's a greater honor to see you. <laughs> so God bless you, I'm Richard, and keep up the great work. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.